Good afternoon, and welcome to Twilio's third quarter 2020 earnings conference call. My name is Rob, and I will be your operator for today's call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session. I will now turn the call over to Andrew Zilli, Vice President of Investor Relations and Treasury. Mr. Zilli, you may begin. Thanks. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Twilio's third quarter 2020 earnings conference call. Our earnings results press release, SEC filings, and a replay of today's call can be found on our IR website at investors.twilio.com. Joining me virtually today are Jeff Lawson, co-founder and CEO, George Hu, COO, and Kozema Shipchandler, CFO. As a reminder, some of our commentary today will be in non-GAAP terms. Reconciliations between our GAAP and non-GAAP results and guidance can be found in our earnings press release. Additionally, some of our discussion and responses may contain forward-looking statements, which are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. In particular, our plans and timing to close the segment acquisition, including the expected business benefits and financial impacts from the acquisition, and our expectations around the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on our business, results of operations and financial condition, and that of our customers and partners is subject to change. Should any of these risks materialize, or should our assumptions prove to be incorrect, actual financial results could differ materially from our projections or those implied by these forward-looking statements, or ability to close the segment acquisition in a timely fashion. A description of these risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, and other factors that could affect our financial results are included in our SEC filings including our most recent report on Form 10-K and subsequent reports on Form 10-Q. And our remarks during today's discussion should be considered to incorporate this information by reference. Forward-looking statements represent our beliefs and assumptions only as of the date such statements are made. We undertake no obligation to update any forward-looking statements made during this call to reflect events or circumstances after today or to reflect new information or the occurrence of unanticipated events, except as required by law. With that, I'll hand it over to you, Jeff. Thanks, Zilly, and welcome everyone to this quarter's earnings call. Before turning to earnings, I want to encourage all who are listening, especially here in the United States, to please vote. Have a plan, find a way, make your voice heard. At the top of our earnings calls from time to time, I may briefly discuss some element of social justice, policy, or societal issues in the hope that it has some impact and to show that we at Twilio take these issues seriously. On our last call, I referenced the fact that black lives matter. And I want to say it because it needs to be said, black lives still matter. And Twilio will continue to advance the dialogue on this and other issues that we care about. Now, on to earnings. We delivered another quarter of outstanding results. I cannot be prouder of what we've accomplished during these trying times. Our success is a testament to the value proposition that Twilio's platform offers businesses. Digital engagement, software agility, and cloud scale. Our goal is to build the world's leading customer engagement platform. We're going to achieve this vision by investing in our products, our platform, and our people. The demand and excitement for digital customer engagement was evident during our recent customer and developer conference, Signal, where we had tens of thousands of people register for our first ever virtual conference. 
embracing our builder mentality, Sildil was run on Twilio's platform, which our internal team developed in a matter of months to great success. Throughout Signal, we heard from leading enterprises like Nike, Delta Airlines, and Ernst & Young about how they are using Twilio's platform to create new ways to engage with their customers over digital channels. And to ensure we continue to meet the needs of our customers, we announced several new products and innovations to help the developers of the world continue to build solutions to solve today's challenges as they execute on their digital transformation initiatives. We know our customers are looking to Twilio Flex to take on the largest and most complex contact center workloads out there. But they want to do that while continuing to use the best of breed solutions they've grown to love, such as their workforce management, so their CRM. We announced the Twilio Flex ecosystem, enabling customers to access more than 30 validated solutions from partners, including Google, Salesforce, Zendesk, and Collaborio, all built to accelerate contact center projects. Usage of Twilio video has skyrocketed, and we want to get video in the hands of as many developers as possible. So we announced a free version of Twilio video for peer-to-peer -peer use cases called Twilio Video WebRTC Go. Twilio Frontline is a mobile app that provides a direct messaging-based connection between customer-facing employees and consumers in a way that's safe, secure, private, and compliant. As non-desk workers far outnumber desk workers, Frontline can help drive greater sales, higher customer satisfaction, and lower costs through more efficient operations. And we announced Twilio Microvisor, a complete device connectivity platform that eliminates the complexity of building for IoT. Microvisor runs on the connected device and creates a secure managed runtime with the intelligence to connect to different types of networks, including Wi-Fi and, of course, cellular via the Twilio SuperSim. We also recently announced our intent to acquire Segment, the leading customer data platform. Segment enables developers and companies to unify customer data from every customer touchpoint and every system of record, empowering marketing, sales, and service leaders with the insights they need to design and build relevant data-driven customer engagement. The combination of Segment and Twilio means that we will be able to help any business make their customer engagement across every channel more personalized, timely, and impactful. This is an important step towards our vision of building the world's leading customer engagement platform. We also wouldn't be able to execute on this vision without the strong culture and inclusive workforce our employees embrace every day, which is why I'm excited to welcome Libra Clemens, Twilio's first Chief Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Officer. Libra is responsible for guiding and scaling Twilio's inclusion strategy and diversity initiatives across the company's global workforce. There has never been a more important time to bring in a head of diversity to the C-suite of the company, and I'm excited for where she will lead us. I again want to thank our employees for their continued dedication to our customers and for delivering these great results. And a special thanks to the Signal team for delivering such an outstanding virtual event. I also want to thank all of those who are on the front lines, those who are fighting the fires in California, those who continue to fight this pandemic, and those who will be working the election poll stations in just over a week. Thank you.
for everything you're doing for the rest of us. And please remember to get out and vote. With that, I'll hand it over to George. Thanks, Jeff. The team delivered another quarter of great results in Q3. Our focus on growing our enterprise presence, expanding internationally, and growing our partner ecosystem continues to drive great outcomes as companies turn to Twilio's customer engagement platform. And our opportunity is expanding as a result. I'm extremely impressed with our marketing and events team who created an amazing virtual experience for Signal. In addition to all of the great individual sessions, we hosted our Creator Summit, where we brought together more than 200 executives from customers and prospects to network, hear from inspirational speakers, and learn about Twilio. We also had more than 800 developer attendees at our Superclass and delivered 40 hours of content on Signal TV. And our brand experience team built our conference experience from the ground up, incorporating more than 10 Twilio products, including Flex, Video, and SMS. During the quarter, we also announced that Deloitte Digital would be joining the Twilio Build Partner Program as our first premier global systems integrator. Deloitte Digital's Twilio practice will offer the entire Twilio product suite, including Flex for contact centers, as well as the full set of Twilio Communications APIs and platform services to help clients reinvent their marketing, sales, and service, and radically transform the customer engagement experience. This is a great step forward in our partner program as it significantly expands our reach and ability to leverage Deloitte's expertise in our top industries, such as healthcare and financial services, where Twilio has helped institutions of all sizes dramatically transform the customer journey to adapt to these new circumstances. In healthcare, the innovative solutions that have been built on top of Twilio to address the COVID-19 crisis provide an opportunity for the industry to advance the use of technology to better deliver outcomes for patients and create tools that fit seamlessly within a physician's workflow. This has always been the vision, but the coronavirus crisis highlighted the urgency, immediacy, and magnitude of that need. The team has been hard at work to make many of Twilio's most critical products HIPAA eligible, such as Twilio SMS, chat, conversations, video, voice, and SIP and runtime tools. As of today, Verify and Lookup are also HIPAA eligible for healthcare customers. And this focus on healthcare is paying off, as you can see with a couple of deals we signed this quarter. We expanded our relationship with Philips, a leading health technology company focused on improving people's lives and enabling better outcomes across the health continuum. In response to COVID, Philips built a virtual waiting room using Twilio SMS to replace the physical waiting space in just six weeks. Health systems like Yale New Haven Health and Boston Medical Center need solutions that curb viruses like COVID-19 and the flu. With this new solution, the patient texts the hospital when they arrive and the hospital texts them back when a room is available so they can go straight to an exam room. We entered into a new relationship with Banner Health, one of the largest not-for-profit healthcare systems in the country. After investigating several vendors, Banner Health selected Twilio to power patient notifications across multiple channels, beginning with our voice API. They view Twilio as the leading engagement platform that can power a consistent digital patient experience across Banner Health. In financial services, another highly regulated industry and a key focus area for Twilio, institutions have long had apps, chatbots, and other customer service tools to help them connect with customers. But COVID was the first time that these capabilities were put to the test as the primary way for people to interact with their service providers. 
But the pandemic hit. Consumer banks, wealth managers, and insurance companies were flooded with inbound calls from customers while being tasked with developing a richer set of capabilities and tools to enable their employees to safely and effectively work from home. Now as providers look to the future, they are implementing a range of new digital solutions that create a better user experience for customers at any time and on any channel. We saw this in the third quarter as we expanded our relationship with a Fortune 50 bank that was forced to close many branches in response to COVID. They were looking for a better way to engage with customers via digital channels. They selected Flux, integrating it with programmable messaging and Salesforce to power their new omni-channel digital customer engagement strategy to improve lead conversion and provide better customer service on demand. We also signed a new Flux deal with Robinhood, a pioneer of commission-free trading. As the demand for their platform has accelerated as a result of COVID, Robinhood is continuing to adapt, scale, and power elements of its customer support with Flux. As we've discussed, we have a very broad customer base, and our platform is used by companies across more than just healthcare or financial services. Some other great deals from the quarter include an expanded relationship with Alaska Airlines, the fifth largest U.S. airline based on passenger traffic. In an effort to reduce direct interaction between employees and guests in response to COVID, Alaska is using our programmable SMS connected to their reservation system to allow agents to send a customer's boarding pass via SMS. We entered a new relationship with Prometric, a global leader in technology-enabled testing and assessment solutions. With the acceleration of digital technology driving new consumer behaviors, as well as an increasing need for remote test proctoring as a result of COVID, Prometric selected Twilio as the video management service for their application. With Flex as the user interface between the proctors, security agents, readiness agents, and test takers. Overall, our team continues to execute on our strategy as our investments in enterprise go-to-market, international expansion, and our partner ecosystem are paying off. We are extremely well positioned as we look to close out the year, and we're excited about the massive opportunity ahead of us in the next several years. And with that, I'll hand it over to Kozema. Thank you, George, and good afternoon, everyone. Total revenue for Q3 grew 52% year-over-year to $448 million. And dollar-based net expansion was 137% as we continued to see broad-based strength across the business. As we get closer to the election, political traffic is likely to pick up. And we saw that in the third quarter as political traffic contributed approximately $10 million or 2% to revenue. Excluding political traffic in Q3 2020, revenue grew 48%. Revenue from our top 10 active customer accounts represented 14% of revenue, compared to 15% last quarter and 13% last year. International revenue was 27% of total revenue in Q3, compared to 27% last quarter and 28% in Q3 2019. WhatsApp contributed approximately 6% of revenue, down from 7% last quarter. Starting in 2021, we will no longer break out WhatsApp as a percentage of revenue. We continue to have a great relationship with WhatsApp. However, as our business has scaled, coupled with the strong revenue diversification we discussed at our investor day, disclosing the contribution from a single customer is less meaningful. Verizon's A2P fees contributed approximately $10 million to revenue. As a reminder, this fee is a direct pass-through to customers and does not impact gross profit dollars. I did want to note that we expect to stop breaking this out in 2021 as we lap the implementation of the Verizon fees. 
if and when we experience fees from other carriers, we do expect to provide that information if relevant. Third quarter non-GAAP gross margin was approximately 55% and was negatively impacted by 130 basis points from A to P fees. As you'll recall from our recent analyst day, we discussed that gross margins would be negatively impacted in the short term as the growth of our messaging product has been reaccelerating, a trend that continued in Q3. To reiterate, this is a trade-off that we will gladly take as it adds gross profit dollars, which we can continue to reinvest, delivering elevated levels of growth. Gross margin was also negatively impacted by about 100 basis points from foreign exchange, primarily from the euro appreciating relative to the U.S. dollar. Non-GAAP operating profit came in at approximately $7 million, stronger than originally forecasted, driven by higher than forecasted revenue, and the timing of hiring within the quarter. While we were able to catch up on our hiring plans in the third quarter, the timing of some of the hires meant that we didn't fully recognize the expenses we had forecasted. Moving to guidance, please note that our guidance today does not include the impact of our announced acquisition of segment. We expect the acquisition to close during the quarter, and we do expect a modest top and bottom line impact in the fourth quarter. As such, on a standalone basis, we expect Q4 revenue of 450 to 455 million, including A to P fees for year-over-year growth of 36% to 37%, and we expect a fourth quarter operating loss in the range of 10 to $15 million. While on the topic of guidance, I'd like to update you on our guidance philosophy. Going forward, we plan on only providing quarterly guidance. At our recent investor day, we provided medium-term guidance that we expect 30% organic annual revenue growth for the next four years. Also, our medium-term guidance does not incorporate the pending acquisition of segment. This guidance was provided based on our forecast for Twilio's existing business. We are managing the business for the long-term, making decisions that benefit all stakeholders, and our medium-term revenue guidance reflects this. As we discussed at our analyst day, some of the investments we planned on making this year did not materialize, as we had originally forecast due to COVID. While still finalizing our 2021 plan, we intend to continue with our investment plans into 2021, which we anticipate will drive operating losses into next year. Also, with our recent announcement to acquire segment, there will be certain integration costs we'll incur to further enhance Twilio's customer engagement platform. Once the deal closes, we expect to provide more information on our Q4 calls. Lastly, I encourage those of you that may have missed our Investor Day held on October 1st, as well as our announcement acquiring segment, to visit Twilio's Investor Relations website at investors.twilio.com to view the presentations and webcasts. I wish everyone well and hope you are healthy and safe. Thank you for joining. Operator, please open the line for questions. In order to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 in your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. And your first question comes from the line of Meta Marshall from Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. All right. Uh, thanks. 
Maybe first question, um, just on Signal, could you give some color commentary as to what were the most attended sessions or where you kind of saw most customer questions around and was any of that surprising? And then maybe just Kazima, any um, bounce back worth noting in key verticals like travel and hospitality? And that's it for me. Thanks. Uh, oh, this is Jeff. Thank you for the question, Mita. Um, so I think Signal was uh, a broad-based success uh, across the board in terms of uh, we had sessions for both the technical track, so the developers in the audience, as well as for the executives uh, with our um, creator summit. And, uh, and so I think one of the key things about Signal as we progressed uh, and built out our engagement cloud strategy and um, started really building that dialogue with the technical folks, but also now the executives. And that is increasing our strategic positioning and allowing us to, to sell more broadly into organizations and actually unlock much bigger problem domains inside of those companies, such as the broad-based uh, question of customer engagement, uh, as opposed to the more narrower uh, view of the, the particular communications workloads. And so that's uh, fantastic. We're really pleased by the growth of, of Signal, our 10x the attendance of prior years. Uh, obviously, a lot of that's driven by the virtual nature of it. And, uh, and as, as well, the participation by leading enterprises. Um, so this year, you know, we had the CEOs of both Nike, Delta Airlines, talking about their digital transformations and the acceleration of those digital transformations that have gone on because of COVID. Uh, and so, you know, I think those are some of the, some of the key highlights of, of Signal. And I don't know, um, if Kuzema, you have something you want to add? I think the second part of the question was around travel and hospitality or the impacted industries. And Meadow, we have seen some traffic in the more heavily impacted industries return, but they're still below pre-COVID levels. I would characterize it more as green shoots. Great. Thanks, guys. Your next question comes from a line of Nicolay Velial from Bank of America. Your line is open. Hi. Thanks so much for taking my questions. Um, it's a question for George. George, as you build out this comprehensive customer engagement uh, platform, at what point do you start running into Salesforce, uh, Oracle, Adobe, uh, the, 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 the legacy, if you will, um, customer engagement uh, vendors? Um, and at what point do you kind of like step back and, and coexist and, and complement them? Just philosophically, just wondering your thinking around this topic, please. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, we are very complimentary. I would say that, you know, many of our customers today are customers of these other uh, these other companies. And uh, we're very complimentary. You know, we, we, we don't often, like, um, see them in the sense of we don't compete with them because, you know, we're coming at a different, coming at the problem in a very different way. You know, we're, we're starting with developers and we're working with them on really the, the, the communications end of customer engagement which is really uh, our strong point, obviously, and not where uh, we see a lot of other companies that you mentioned focused. So I would say overall we're very, very complimentary, and, um, and, and, and our customers view it that way. So I think that's going very well for us. And, and George, uh, as a follow-up, uh, around Flex, when do you think Flex will become a way to wholesale replace legacy call centers versus uh, complementing them right now. Um, congratulations to the new wins around Flex. Uh, some of them sound like um, complementing existing uh, call center solutions versus wholesale replacement. Yeah, I, I think that it's a it, it's a it's a multi-year journey for us to mature the product. Um, so you know, we we do have companies that do use us um, as the end-to-end -end contact center platform. 
Uh, we have many situations where complementary, and you know, I think it's just I view it as normal enterprise software maturity. So we continue to mature the product. We're very excited about the the, the evolution of the product over time, and we're now several years in, um, and we're, we're we're seeing that that you know the market recognizes that. Um, so I think you're just going to see normal evolution there, and we're going to be more and more. Uh, able over time to take on larger and larger workloads on the platform, but uh, nothing. I, I just think it's a it's a normal evolution. Thanks so much. Your next question comes from the line of Michael Turin from Wells Fargo. Your line is open. Hey there, great. Thanks. Good afternoon. I think the biggest takeaway was around the last point that Kazema laid out um, for many of us from the investor day around the ambition of that thirty percent organic revenue growth target over the next four years. So maybe going back to that, can you, can you expand on what it is you're seeing in the field today that gives you the confidence and your ability to execute on that multi-year vision as that would put you in some admittedly rarefied air in software if you are able to sustain that pace? Well, this is George, since you asked for the field perspective. I mean, we're seeing um, digital acceleration. You know, we're, we're seeing that people are, uh, especially in this environment, realizing that there's a greater push than ever uh, to be able to engage consumers and customers on digital channels in new ways and new modalities. And so, you know, our research shows that this digital transformation is being accelerated by up to six years. And in fact, that was um, just last week at a, on a CXO conference where CIO of a major retailer also said that they're seeing digital acceleration or the other three panelists I was with all talked about digital acceleration. So, you know, at, at every level, uh, I think that, you know, this is not just a temporal thing, but part of, you know, a, a new way that companies need to uh, engage. And so I think it's that macro um, shift we're seeing in the market, this macro acceleration that gives us confidence that we are where the market is and is going, that this is a, a, a huge need, a tremendous need in the marketplace, that this is a need that every company in the world has uh, from, you know, small business all the way up through the enterprise. And so I think that this just really speaks to this generational opportunity we have, which, gives, which makes us believe that, A, we have, you know, the, the market size here to, to, to sustain that level of growth, and also that we have really the right platform, the right message at the right time with the right um, go-to-market approach and product approach to address that need. And I think you see that in our numbers this quarter, and, I, you know, we're just also seeing that reflected in the conversations about the field and even these 200-plus executives at our Creator uh, Summit at Twilio, which is, you know, a, an awesome number for us, speaks to the fact that even, uh, you know, not just developers now, but more and more executives are starting to realize that um, this is a strategic area for them, and Twilio is a company that they need to think of in a very different way. That's good color. Just maybe a quick follow-up. On, on the, the dollar-based net expansion metric that stepped back up to 137, I think we've all been talking more about send grid impacts and normalization, but that's the highest organic level we've seen since mid last year. So anything else you can add around what's allowing you to sustain those levels as, as you move to even greater scale here? Thank you. Yeah, Mike, Michael, this is Kazama here. I think, you know, what we're seeing across the board is, is that there's just broad-based strength across, you know, the entirety of the business. And so there's no one specific thing that I would highlight as, as a result of that. I think it's that, there's companies that are continuing to digitally transform, as we pointed out a few times, and I think we're seeing a lot of tailwinds based on some of those things that, that George just described, and we're super happy with the 137, and, you know, we do think that'll normalize and, and fade over time, but we're certainly uh, really happy about what happened in the quarter. Thanks. 
Excellent results. Appreciate it. Our next question comes to the line of Matt Stotler from William Blair. Your line is open. Hey, thank you for taking my questions. Um, I guess just to start uh, on IoT, you know, obviously a, a very interesting opportunity for, for you guys here, especially with the launch of Microvisor. Um, you know, how significant do you see IoT uh, in terms of use cases for Toyota's business today, and how do you think about um, you know over time what this could be for you and, and kind of you know how long do you think it will take that business to become a more significant contributor to the uh, the overall business there yeah, Thanks Matt. I will uh, take it. This is Jeff. So um, IOT is a market that we are very excited about I think that of all the talk of IOT that's gone on for the last say five almost ten years This is a, a field that's really still at its infancy and we're investing uh, to capture a market that we feel is going to grow over the next you know, decade or more. Uh, that said, it's a smaller uh, investment, and it's a smaller part of our business than our, the mainstay of our business, which is customer engagement. But the way I look at it, uh, the great thing about having a developer platform is you can start at the um, sort of the, the broad, the broadest, most applicable building blocks there are. Put them in the hands of developers and say, we can't wait to see what you build. And as the market unfolds, developers show you where the big unsolved challenges are, and that allows us to make smarter investments over time. So, for example, with IoT, we started with connectivity because that allowed us to leverage uh, the skill that we had in taking very complex telco-oriented uh, relationships and economics and technology and package that up in an easy-to-use platform for developers that encourages innovation. And then based on that product, we were able to understand that the, you know, another big unsolved problem for IoT developers was actually on the chip itself and how you actually deploy code to those devices and how you make that code updatable, secure, um, inspectable, et cetera, and that led us to invest in Microvisor. And so we see the IoT roadmap as, uh, as a long one, and it's a bet that we're making that the IoT Um, and actually, I think there will be very big areas of growth when we start connecting just broad-based, like, like hundreds of millions, maybe billions of sensors uh, out there in you know, the fields where crops are grown or to tractors or to cities and, and investing in smart cities. Those are the types of use cases that are really just at their infancy. And I, you know, one of the things we talk about quite a bit internally is one of the drivers of IoT, one of the many drivers of IoT, uh, is actually the environment and how with uh, better connectedness, better information about what's going on in our cities, we can direct resources better, uh, whether it's in our cities or in the fields or um, in uh, you know, freighting and things like that, uh, to in order to save energy and make our, our economy and our society more efficient. So there's a lot of drivers of IoT that are coming, and the technology solutions that are now arising, such as narrowband 5G, uh, smarter chips, things like that, as well as the innovations that Toyo's bring to the market are, uh, are going to be significant drivers, we believe, over the coming uh, decade or more. Got it, yes. It's very interesting. Um, then I guess one more just for, uh, for Kozima. The, the color around the politi political contributions is helpful, um, or at least the political use cases and how they contributed to revenue. Um, maybe just, uh, you know, any thoughts on what you've embedded uh, in terms of, of guidance, whether that's stable, up or down to Q4, and then any uh, impact that that had on the dollar-based net expansion in the quarter would be helpful? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty modest in terms of uh, the Q4 impact. I would say it's kind of in the same range. If you recall back to 
um, our investor day, you know, we kind of called it around this like 1% range. We called it out as about 2% um, today. We would expect it to increase a little bit, but again, I think it'll be pretty modest. Um, Very good. Excellent. Congrats, guys. Good luck. Wilson from RBC, your line is open. Because, Emma, first, first one for you at, at a high level. If I think about the, you know, the new customer level at the messaging level, at the existing customer level, the business today, what, what percent are going in both directions, and how should we think of like, um, you know, we gave you a number of breakouts in terms of our product split at, at the investor day, and I think that's, you know, about the, the direction that we're uh, Planning to go down to in terms of just important to us over the long term on you know your own interactions is in its relative infancy and you know I think a number of the products that we have in particular our conversations product that we launched uh, man I guess it's last year um, we feel great about the way that that's been adopted and uh, you know again most businesses are still sending it one way and so we think there's opportunity there over time. Got it. Uh, and then maybe another kind of big picture one, which is if, if you think about, you know, you, you've obviously have been executing quite well this year, but there's still likely some headwinds to your business that are going to potentially turn into tailwinds next year, presuming the economy continues to recover. You know, what, what are those, if you remind us, what those headwinds that could become tailwinds next year would be um, and, and how we should think about that as a, as a growth driver? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in terms of the way that we have guided, you know, we basically said over the next four or so years that we, we feel like we can continue delivering 30%, uh, you know, revenue growth annually. And I think what we've seen over the last year or so is is that there's been pretty consistent uh, and broad-based revenue strength across the entirety of the business. Now, as we went into COVID, I think the one dynamic that we did see on sort of the negative side was that, there were some heavily impacted industries like rideshare, like travel, hospitality. And, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier in this call, um, the traffic in those industries is still lower than pre-COVID volumes. And so we would expect some bounce back in that. Now, we're not calling exactly when that is, obviously. It's kind of hard to, hard to say. The other thing I would just point out, though, is, is that, you know, some of the acceleration that we've seen, for example, in healthcare and education, uh, e-commerce, we also think that those use cases are going to be pretty resilient, right? So I don't think they're they're going to be ephemeral at all. In fact, I think, uh, you know, we see a lot more opportunity in some of those industries, and so I think that's going to provide, you know, ongoing tailwind over the medium term as well. Got it. Because, um, if I could sneak one more in just about segment, a question I've gotten continuously is what roughly percentage of the revenue stream there is usage-based versus subscription, and how is that going to impact the deferred write-down? 
Yeah, Alex, we're just not in a position to be able to provide financial information on the segment transaction right now. You know, we're not closed yet, and I think once we get closed, as we uh, disclose our Q4 results, we'll give you a lot more uh, information there. But uh, you know, we're not we're not going to provide accounting impact and financials today. Fair enough. Thank you, guys. Congrats again. Thanks, Alex. Okay, thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Brent Bracelet from Piper Sandler. Your line is open. Uh, thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, I guess, uh, Jeff, maybe I'll start with you. I know you can't provide a lot of financial detail around segment, but uh, I did see uh, Peter's keynote at the CDP event last week. Came away even more impressed with the opportunity here. I guess my question here, could you share any feedback on segment set out from a customer and partner perspective in, in the last week or so? Well, I think what we've heard so far from, from customers and partners is you know, a lot of excitement because we're going to be able to accelerate uh, not only uh, Sengrid's <laughs> segments uh, roadmap and you know, their visions, but really it's what we can do together. And I think that's what a lot of customers are looking for in terms of a single customer engagement platform that can take them end to end. Because if you think about it, you know, we started with communications, but that's really a means to an end. For B2C companies, engaging with your customer really starts with understanding your customer. Um, and for B2C companies, that, that's really done with data. And all those data is residing in all those different systems and all the piece of the picture for essentially how you, um, you know, what you know about the customer. And so once you are able to assemble a complete picture of your customer, well, then you can engage with them really effectively. And that's communication. So together, we can build this single platform to power end-to-end -end customer engagement. That's our goal uh, by bringing together the understanding of the customer, that's customer data, that segment, with actually engaging with them, touching those customers, getting them relevant, timely, uh, and impactful communications that actually make them more, more loyal and happier customers. Um, and so that's generally speaking the, the, the gist of, of how we framed it, and that is reflective of what customers have told us. They want you know, the problem that they want solved, and that's why we're building the customer engagement platform in the way that we are. Makes sense in Health of Color. I guess, George, we've, we've seen now two full quarters of, of this digital acceleration in a, in a post-COVID era. I was hoping you could talk about just the enterprise customer journey. Is it evolving? Um, are you landing with Flex and messaging, but the discussions are much broader? Are the expands accelerating? Just walk us through the, how that enterprise customer journey is changing, um, you know, now that you have, you know, two full quarters behind you. Well, you know, while certainly we've been, um, you know, uh, you know, in this pandemic for a couple of quarters now, I, I think that the digital transformation of which, you know, digital acceleration is really a, a more recent phenomenon within that, that's been happening for a long time. And, you know, for us, some of the dynamics have um, have stayed similar, actually, and I think are, will continue to stay similar, which is that we are continuously being brought in by developers that um, uh, messaging is an, a, fa a fantastic product for landing within an account as a starting point. It's a very, I think, um, easy to understand and fantastic starting point in, really globally. And then, you know, what has changed in the acceleration is that um, really the, uh, the speed of the exploration and adoption of new channels, more complex use cases, uh, a, a great example would be, a great example would be um, video. Um, but, you know, there was a previous question on, like, signal, um, you know, a signal session attendance. And what was really interesting to me 
was that, you know, while I would have expected, you know, that messaging would have been by far our most attended breakout session, uh, we had, you know, almost as many, if not more, attendees for voice, uh, very similar level for flex. Even IoT had, you know, roughly half the attendees of the messaging section. So, you know, we're now able to parlay that strength, that landing strength and messaging into a much broader conversation. And, you know, you saw it signal that we had two fantastic CEOs from Delta and from Nike uh, speaking. That certainly was not the case a year ago. So um, I, I think that there, there's a lot, there's a confluence of a lot of things happening here, both the need for digital acceleration as well as our capability and our, you know, this investment that we've made both in our technology and our platform, as well as our go-to-market uh, team to be able to now be in the right place at the right time to capture on this, to have these level of discussions and to expand um, expand our presence within the company. So what becomes the what starts as messaging eventually becomes, you know, contact center or programmable voice or, you know, all sorts of other interesting um, use cases that are coming out of that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a really, really uh, exciting time for us and one that I think validates a lot of the investments that we've made and has led to also um, the segments um, announcement, which I think just falls right in line with the strategy that we've laid out. Awesome. Thank you. That's all I have. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Mark Murphy from J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, Jeff, interested in how you're thinking about investing in the voice channel relative to the messaging uh, channel. I, it feels like voice is going to be pretty integral to the future of Flex. But I, I believe you had uh, told us voice has settled in around 17% of revenue and messaging has just exploded. Uh, to about 45%, and if you have younger generations that are gravitating more toward messaging, are, are you kind of seeing on the margin reasons to shift investments, you know, that much more aggressively into messaging? I just think the uh, the drivers between the different channels are different. Um, if you think about like messaging, think about how many times you've actually had an engaging two-way uh, messaging um, conversation with a business, right? It's actually still relatively small, but it's growing. Uh, in fact, just a few years ago, it was novel when you got a text message from a business and like just telling you your food is arriving or your flight was boarding or whatever, like that was novel. And so messaging is seeing a, a growth in the number of use cases and how people are deploying messaging to help grow their businesses. Uh, whereas voice has been around for a very long time, obviously, that's a you know, 100 year old technology. Uh, but how people use it is actually changing. And I think that the changing nature of how we use voice, and look, there's no way around that like people do use voice less than we did, say, 30 years ago. But how we use it is different, as well as how the technology works is different. And so the, the virtualization of voice, moving it to the cloud, making it global by its very nature, as well as embedding it into the many workflows that we have, as opposed to it being a standalone, just like, here's your desk phone, have fun. Uh, now voice is becoming an embedded part of many different software uh, workflows, such as those in the contact center, where voice is actually embedded in it or other workflows as well. And so I just think the, uh, the drivers of adoption and the, the ways in which these channels get used are different. And, uh, and therefore, we tailor our, you know, our, our sales cycles, our pitch, everything like that is, is tailored to the drivers of, you know, what is, the, what is driving companies to adopt messaging, oftentimes for the first time, to build out new use cases, versus what's causing them to potentially re-architect how they do voice and capture emerging um, opportunities because of the new, more flexible nature of voice in the world of software. You know, I'll give you an example there. 
um, you know, things like being able to understand sentiment or to transcribe uh, voice calls and to use them uh, to consider a voice call as data, uh, those are sort of net new capabilities of the medium that are driving new ways for uh, a variety of workloads to be considered inside of an interface. Very thankful. Uh, very uh, great answer, uh, Jeff. Kazima, uh, just as a quick follow-up, are you able to approximate the rough dollar amount of um, systems investments that you were unable to make this year that you think would flow into 2021? Yeah, we're just not going to provide, uh, you know, guidance on that today, Mark. I mean, I, I think we gave you some revenue guidance, you know, for the for the next several years. We're going to give uh, uh, profit guidance or loss guidance, if you will, uh, over the kind of on a quarter by quarter basis. I, I will say that uh, you know, there's a number of areas that we spelled out at the beginning of the year. It's kind of the same dynamic in terms of uh, the areas of investment, but just not going to give a number today. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Your next question comes from a line of Will Power from Baird. Your line is open. Okay, great, thanks. Um, yeah, I think a couple of questions for Kazama. Maybe just coming back to Q3, I think it even the largest dollar beat um, in your history. And so I, I guess I'm sure the answer is probably partly broad-based, but anything in particular you'd call out in terms of sources of upside, whether – SMS, video, anything else that, that really was an upside surprise driver. And then the second question, you know, looking at the you know, net expansion rate, I'm just trying to, you know, kind of dig into the key drivers of that. I mean, how much of that's increased usage of existing products versus perhaps, you know, greater migration uh, use uh, of the engagement cloud products from existing customers? Any color you could provide on that front, too. Yeah, well, it's a good question. You you largely provided the answer uh, uh, in your question, but I'll, I'll give you maybe a few additional details. So, you know, you're right that it is kind of broad-based strength across the board. You know, we just saw uh, a great performance kind of all around in terms of a number of our customers, segments, uh, geographies, products, what have you. You know, two of the things that we have pointed out, um, both at our investor day as well as today, you know, we are continuing to see a, a reacceleration, if you will, in our messaging business, and we feel great about uh, the additional growth that we've been able to drive there. And then I think, you know, the other dynamic is is that I think at the investor day, we're probably about uh, closer to a percent uh, of revenue in terms of political. We, we said today that we're closer to 2%, about $10 million bucks. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, what we saw in, in Q3. And then I think, you know, the other dynamic is in terms of DB&E, that was the other part of your question. You know, again, we're seeing broad-based strength. Um, uh, we showed you a kind of a graphic during the investor day in terms of, you know, how does usage on new products versus existing and uh, engagement cloud and so forth uh, affect the dynamic of DBME, and I wouldn't really say anything's changed significantly since then. So, kind of a continuation of trends that we're seeing, and you know, we feel really good about uh, both DBME as well as our revenue growth in the quarter. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Will. And your last question comes from a line of Sidney Panagrani from Mizuho. Your line is open. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, George, just want to ask about the Flex adoption in the cloud uh, contact center. So since you talked about recent partnerships uh, with SIEs to build out-of-the-box solution, uh, I'm wondering how should we think about the penetration uh, now into the contact center going forward, having this out-of-the-box solution? Well, I, I, I certainly think that, you know, we've always positioned Flex's differentiation around its programmability. 
and uh, we believe that the combination of that plus the cloud is a is a very very compelling um, very very compelling value proposition for the market. And I think that you've seen during this particular situation we're in right now that that's accelerated the overall movement of contact center to the cloud. And uh, certainly we are a beneficiary, and we hope also a, a leader in that movement as well. Um, you know, in terms of the SI dynamic of that, uh, the SI impact on that. You know, certainly there are a segment of companies in the market that want the value proposition of a, you know, the value of a programmable, highly customized solution, but may not have the in-house development resources. I think that's what makes SIs and uh, and our platform model such a fantastic natural fit. And I think that's one of the things that Deloitte and other SIs that uh, are in our build program are excited about and will allow us to meet the needs, yes, allow us to meet the needs of a broader set of companies in the uh, world now that, um, that you know, can now tap into these SIs for their, their solutions versus having to uh, build them in-house. So I do think it opens our market. I think, you know, we're, we're still very beginning of that. We just announced this partnership. I think it remains to be seen how much of an impact that will have. But I think over time, it definitely will address, uh, increase our addressable customer set. And for that, I think we're very excited. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, we have, been, we have come to the end of our conference. Thank you for participating in today's conference. You may now disconnect.